Blog Talk Radio. This is Marcianne, and this is October Bullets Month, Finding Mr. Right. <clears throat> and I've been ringing those wedding bells all month for you. Um, those are those. Those are real bells from the San Juan Capistrano, California Mission, and they ring them for special events and things, and um, usually for a wedding. <clears throat> And when they ring those bells, you hear them all over town. I was across the street from the mission and having breakfast uh, when the bells began to ring, and that's how I was able to record them for you. Okay, so welcome, everyone, to all you ladies who might wish to be finding Mr. Wright and also to any gentlemen who might be listening in tonight who perhaps would like to find Miss Wright. I know that every woman wants to find Mr. Right, but deep down inside of every man, I believe, is that true desire to have Miss Right as well, even if he's with Miss Right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> that goes for you too, Miss Right. Are you, are you currently with Mr. Right now? Right now? <laughs> I mean, each week we've been looking into different aspects of ourselves that are operating <clears throat> that is serving to be an attraction Uh, some kind of an attraction because our life is always sending out messages because if we're breathing we are creating vibration just by breathing in and out I mean that's being done automatically by our sympathetic nervous system but it is making waves every in breath is taking in energy from our environment and every out breath is releasing that energy out and that energy that you are taking in and that energy that is being released out is some aspect of yourself that is either attracting what you want or it's repelling what you don't want. <laughs> so uh, tonight, uh, I thought we might uh, think in terms of creating an attraction. You know, attraction is a magnetizing energy. And a magnet either pulls something toward itself or repels something away from itself. And all of us are this electromagnetic field of energy. So our field of energy is either attracting or repelling. So we need to to develop an electromagnetic field of energy that's going to attract Mr. Wright or Miss Wright to us and repel everybody else. (laughs) Well, in my 20 years of marrying brides and grooms, I've seen that people just simply don't like to be alone. And I I think there is within every single person that feeling that they need to find the rest of themselves. <laughs> so in an esoteric sense, you could think in terms about a single ray of light going forth from out of the heart of God, and it splits into two rays, a masculine energy and a feminine energy. And if we're not with 
that part of us that has been separated from us, then we might feel alone. You know, I, I've told you over and over, I live in this retirement community, and we have a, pool, a wonderful pool, and this is the only kind of exercise that I can do, and I love to swim. So I go to the pool, and I either walk in the pool or I do some laps. And there was a gentleman that came there for a while um, that did his laps, and, um, you know, we, <laughs> in between a lap, uh, we rest. <laughs> so we chat. <laughs> well, he just complained and complained and complained about his girlfriend. That's all I ever heard. She did this, she did that, my girlfriend this, my girlfriend that. And I said, are you two married? And he said, no, but we've been together 10 years. So one day I asked, I said, you know what, why don't you break up with her? And he said, because being with her is better than being alone. He just couldn't face the idea of being alone. Now, actually, ladies, it is harder for a man to be alone than it is for us to be alone. A man is is never has never been alone. He's raised by a mother who feeds him, washes his clothes, tells him what to wear, how to stand, what to say, what to do. And you know, a man is used to this. He kind of needs it. And you know, cooking, cleaning and laundry are just things that just happen for a man. I mean, somebody else does this. <laughs> Even though today the working woman expects the man to cook and clean and do laundry, this is sort of a relatively new wrinkle. Over 50% of our population, though, is over 50. And these men who are over 50 are used to a woman taking care of them. Now, while it is hard for a woman to be alone, Uh, Most men just can't be alone, and that is why a man usually is with a woman, whether she is a one-night stand or a wife or a girlfriend or a wife and a girlfriend. I mean, a man needs to have sex to be physically at his best, And while a man prefers to have sex, I believe, in a loving and trusting relationship, he is going to have sex. And so in, he creates environments for this to be able to happen. And I do believe that in those other environments, it is just sex. And it, this could be something women could have more understanding about. Because if, it, if the woman is going to try to use sex to try to get a man, mostly what she's going to get is sex. <laughs> And she's probably going to likely end up feeling used and abused. And it won't be a premeditatively evil act on the part of the man. But sex for sex is one thing for a man, and sex for love is another. And we also have a very strong cultural system in place. I mean, just let a woman know about a single man, and there is an instantaneous flurry of activity to get this man hooked up. (laughs) 
here in my retirement community of 18,000 residents, I sometimes think 17,500 of them are single woman, women. I'm sure it's not that high, but but if a single man shows up here, <laughs> there's an immediate parade of women knocking on his door, taking him food, <laughs> and we call it the casserole brigade. <laughs> Because, you know what, sometimes it's the very first woman who gets there and knocks on the door is who he hooks up with because he just can't be alone. So let's look at this idea of being alone. Let's look at it, first of all, being a woman and being alone. Now, for you, I'm going to say that it's better to be alone than to be with Mr. Wrong. I mean, that's why I wrote my book, 17 Things to Do While Waiting for Mr. Right, as an addition into going all of, into all of the things that a person could consider um, if they want to find Mr. Right. The book also gives you a bunch of stuff to do while you're waiting for Mr. Right to show up. So uh, let's look at what we believe about being alone. What is involved in being alone? Now, we can be alone for all sorts of reasons. I mean, perhaps you've just started your journey to find Mr. Right. Perhaps you're currently in a relationship, but the two of you really aren't happy, so you already feel alone in the relationship. Or perhaps you've already broken up with your boyfriend, and now you're wanting to get a new boyfriend. Perhaps your partner in life has passed away. Perhaps you are now divorced and are still raising kids. Perhaps you're still single, even though you're now in your 30s or 40s. Because when my book first came out and I was going to book signings and giving talks, you know, on the book tour, most of the women who came to hear me speak were single women in their 30s and 40s who still had not found Mr. Right. Now, all of us are subject to the dictates of the mass mind consciousness, And that's just a fancy way of saying we care about what other people think about us. And there still is a judgment within the collective that if you're single, for whatever reason, there must be something wrong with you. Perhaps being single isn't looked at as being as negative today as it has been in the past. But as a society, the single person is usually looked at as being somebody different, an oddity, perhaps a socially awkward person who doesn't fit in. So part of that being single ends up that we're alone. Okay, so I looked this word up in my Roger's thesaurus as I love words. And do you know what the primary definition of alone is? It is unity. Now that seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? However, unity consciousness means, now listen carefully, being a unique, one and only, one of a kind, individual expression of who you are and then being in union with every other unique, one of a kind, individual expression of humanity. Now that's kind of a different way to look at being alone, isn't it? 
And then the next primary definition is simpleness. This is also a very empowering way to look at being alone. Simpleness. Because that's considered purity. So being simple will purify your life, which will activate elimination and riddance. Because being simple is going to set up a system that unmingles and uncombines you with circumstances or people who make your life complicated and muddies the waters. (laughs) Simpleness means that you will be solely and exclusively separate and apart, unaccompanied and unassisted, standing in the ancient ways until Mr. Wright shows up. Does that make it sound better? Well, let me give you the final primary definition of being alone. It is freedom! (laughs) Now listen to this list of descriptions for the word freedom. Unconstrained, unrestricted, uncontrolled, unchained, footloose and fancy free, unburdened, independent, and liberated. (laughs) Does this make being alone sound so bad? I don't think so. So now let's look at the physical fact that our that our breathing in and out is operated by our sympathetic nervous system. Um, just think about that for a minute. Our nervous system is sympathetic. It's sympathetic because the nervous system is operated by the God spark that beats your heart. And the God spark that beats your heart has great love and sympathy. And it's desiring that every jot and tittle of your life be fulfilled. Every notion, every fancy, every dream, hope, desire, every part of our life is to be fulfilled. And sympathy is a word that means God is not happy when something bad happens to the one he loves. God is not happy unless every single part of that person's life is being fulfilled. So the sympathetic nervous system keeps everything going in a very caring and meticulous way so that there is that energy available for us to make our dreams come true. The sympathetic nervous system says to you, you don't have to think about keeping your heart beating. You don't have to think about your lungs breathing in and out. You don't have to worry about your liver cleansing your body or your stomach digesting your food. I am going to take care of all of this for you. So you will be able to take all of your time to make sure that every single one of your dreams and hopes and desires are fulfilled. This is why you are breathing in and out. 
And that's why you want to be breathing in and out in an optimistic attitude, an attitude of childlike playfulness and excitement that you are breathing in and out. So let's practice this right now. Take a great, big, deep breath. Hold it. Now let it out. Now, when you take the next great big deep breath, think about what you think would make you happier than you have ever been in a long, long time. And while you take in that next great big deep breath, see yourself actually doing what it is that you just thought about that would make your happy, make you happy. Okay, breathe in. <gasps> Hold it. Now release it out. And as you release it out, be grateful and thankful that you have that energy now to empower your dream to make it come true. Do you know that just breathing in and out like this for a certain amount of time every day will set up a scalar wave of free energy that is going to go to work to wake you up in your dream so that your dream can now become your actual day-to-day living reality. So how many of yourself saw yourself with Mr. Wright or Miss Wright while you took that great big breath? I'll bet you did see yourself with a companion, with a partner in your life, with a person for you to love and for that person to love you, because that's really what life is all about, loving and being loved. And I think we all know, because it's pretty much been proven scientifically now, that when you are loving and being loved, you're happy and you'll live longer. It really, even if you're loving and being loved, is with your dog. <laughs> when you are together, you, you feel loved and you love each other. I remember my only unhappy bride I felt so sorry for the groom of this woman they had had a child together that was now four years old so she had been waiting for four years for him to marry her and finally he was doing what she wanted him to do and still all she could do was complain about everything and my staff and I just kept looking back and forth to one another wondering if this was why it had taken him so long to finally get married and I was glad that we were delayed for a little while before we actually got to this to the ceremony because it seemed to me like he might have been stoned and I you know, I have a responsibility about whether the person is able to do his vows in a legal way. He didn't look at her the entire time they said their vows. He couldn't remember where he put the rings. He couldn't even remember where he had put his money to pay me. At first he said he didn't have it and to get it from her, and then he told me it was in his truck and he would give it to me after the ceremony. And I believe this woman got pregnant deliberately to trap this guy. He was good looking, 
well-built young man, a firefighter with a good job. And this woman was very homely. And in her vows, she said that he made her feel beautiful. But he couldn't even look at her while they said their vows. I believe this woman needed to have a husband to take care of her. And I don't think she thought of herself as attractive so that she and, and that she probably couldn't get a man unless she did sex and she wanted to be married so she purposely got pregnant. And let me tell you, just for your own information out there, if some of you men listening tonight, I want you to know that a woman can get pregnant even if you just have oral sex. So this issue of pregnancy is a matter of responsibility for each person out there, the man and the woman. And in my book, uh, I say, and I've said this over and over and over, that I suggest that a woman doesn't have sex with a man until she has a ring on her finger, a wedding date set, and the non-refundable deposits have been made for the wedding. But when I did my book tour, you know, the women told me, but Marcianne, if I don't have sex with him, he's going to go someplace else who with someone who will. And I say, yes, that's true. But let me ask you, do you want to have sex or do you want to get married? Do you think a man wants to marry a woman who's been to bed with 10 other guys before him? So tonight, let's just think about our present position. If you're listening tonight and you're alone and you don't have a companion right now, but you would like to have a companion, um, think about this. Some might be listening who are with a someone, but in my book I say a someone is not good enough. So if you're not alone right now, you might be with Mr. Wrong or just a someone. So perhaps the first step you need to take is to become alone. And then for those of you who are alone, this week I want to give you, um, for you to rethink these ideas that where you're able to perhaps consider that being alone isn't such a bad thing, that you have a kind of freedom and a pure simpleness in your life that is really kind of nice. (laughs) So now here is your homework. If you're a woman, take yourself out to dinner. Choose a restaurant that is fancy, has really good food. Call and make a reservation. Get your hair and nails done. Get a new dress and look absolutely fantastic and go out to dinner. Call for a cab to pick you up and take you to the restaurant and then let them call for the cab to take you back home and make it a grand event. You know, when my daughter and I were in New York a couple years ago, we were at dinner at 21, which is a very fancy, very expensive restaurant in in the theater district. And um, there was a woman sitting at the table next to us, alone. She was all dressed up with a fancy dress and jewelry, and she had ordered a glass of wine, and she was sitting there drinking her wine. And then she ordered her dinner, and she ate it very slowly, I noticed, savoring each bite. And she finished about the same time that we did, And as we were settling up our bills, I looked over at her and I said, did you enjoy your dinner? I said, this is my daughter's birthday today and we're 
celebrating. Are you celebrating anything special? And she said, I am mourning the fact that Days of Our Lives is going to be off the air this week. This was a long-running television program. I have had a relationship with the characters on that show for 30 years. My life has revolved around being at the TV at 1 p.m. every day for 30 years. So I am taking tonight to mourn and to lay to rest this part of my life. I was just speechless. I've thought about this so many times since then. This woman, first of all, was being so true to herself, first of all. She didn't look outside of herself to get sympathy or try to get someone else to understand her pain. In her relationship with herself, which included this relationship with the telephone, television program Days of Our Lives, she had prepared a sacred space and a sacred place to go to realize and release her connection with the program and to prepare herself to go on with the days of her life. So sometime this week, your homework is to take a sacred time and pick a sacred place and go with yourself and celebrate yourself and the days of your life, all of them, and feel validated, loved, and cherished. And if you're a man, you're to cook your own meal tonight or do your laundry. (laughs) And until tomorrow, this is Marcianne. I'm going to ring those wedding bells. Bye.